This week's parsha is Parsha Svayetze. And we find in the parsha that Leah Imenu had six sons and a daughter, Dina. And at the same time, Rachel was an Akara. Rachel was not able to have children. But finally, Rachel Imenu had good news. The Pasuk says in Perak Lamed Pasuk Chafdalad, Vayizkar Lekim Es Rachel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembered Rachel, Vayishma Eleha Elekim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu listened to her cries, listened to her tefillos, Vayiftach Es Rachma and opened up her womb. What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu remember? To give her a child? So Rashi says, Zachar La, he had a fond memory of Rachel Imenu at that point, the famous story that Chazal tell us that when Rachel Imenu was about to become engaged to Yaakov Avinu, Rachel tells Yaakov that I just want you to know that my father, I think, has something up his sleeve. And I think he might try to switch me for Leah, and we have to be very careful that that doesn't happen. Yaakovino understood what she was saying, and he said, okay, what we have to do is we have to have some sort of secret password between us, so that if such an event should happen, under the chuppah, I will ask you the password when you're covered, when your face is under a veil, I'll ask you for the secret password that only you and I know. If you give it to me, then I will proceed with the Kedushan, and otherwise, I won't. And so they arranged that, and on the day of the Chuppah, Lavan insisted that Leah be the Kawa, and he told Rachel that you are not to go under the Chuppah. Leah is going to be getting married to Yaakov. And as she was about to go down to the Chuppah, Rachel could not bear to see her sister become humiliated in public, that everybody should see that Yaakov Avino is not willing to marry her. And so she gives over the simonim to her sister. This secret password was given over from Rachel to Leah, perhaps the most selfless act in Jewish history, giving over potentially all of the legacy of being one of the imais, the legacy of having a chilek in the shifte ka, a legacy in being the akaras habayis of Klal Yisrael. All of this was surrendered by Rachel in order so that her sister not suffer any embarrassment. HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers this act of Mesiris Nefesh on behalf of Rachel to Leah, and that's one reason why he caused her to conceive. Also remembers how aggravated she was with the notion, with the idea that now that I'm not going to be able to bear children for Yaakov, he might divorce me and now I will find myself married to Esav. The next Pasuk says, Vatar, so she conceived, Vatelet Bain, and she gave birth to a son, Vataymer, and she said, 
Asaf Elohim Eschar Posi. HaKadosh Baruch has gathered in my busha, my bizayin, all of my embarrassment. Now that I am able to have a child, HaKadosh Baruch has gathered in my cherpa, meaning he has taken care of my humiliation. So Rashi says, Cherpasi, what humiliation? So first of all, that until now I was an Akara and people laughed at me, people made fun of me, people scorned me for being an Akara, and now that I'm able to be pregnant, I finally can show my face again in public. So Asaf Elikim Es Cherpasi, that's Yosef. Asaf is the, one of the roots of Yosef's name is Asaf. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has now taken in, he has collected, he has gathered my cherpas that I'm not humiliated. And the second shot that Rashi brings, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, is a very strange agada that Rashi brings, a medrash that Rashi brings that's very difficult to understand. What does it mean, Asaf Elikim Eskarpasi? Kolzman as long as a woman does not have a child, she has no one on whom to blame for any problems that may occur. But once she has a child, now she has somebody on whom to blame. Rashi brings two examples from the Medrash. Who broke this kli? And of course, the mother was the one that broke the kli. There was a crystal vase and she dropped it by accident. And now the husband comes home and he's upset. This is a very expensive vase. Who is so careless? So if she doesn't have a child, she has to accept the blame. But now that she has a child... She could say, Bincha, it was your son that broke it. Mi achal te'enem elo, I had a special, uh, I bought some fruits, I kept it in the refrigerator, that was for me, for me to eat, and now I come home and it's not there. Who ate the fruits? Who ate these te'enem? If I don't have a child, and it's just the two of them in the house, the wife has no choice but to accept the blame. She has to say, I did it, I'm sorry. But now that she has a child, she could say, Yankala ate the grapes, Yankala ate the te'enim. So Baruch Hashem, now that I have a child, I have on whom to blame. That's what I want to focus on today. That agada that Rashi brings. And it's obviously a very difficult agada to understand. Because... Is this really the greatest thing that happened to Rachel about having a baby? Rachel Imenu wasn't looking to have a baby, like every other woman, to have somebody on whom to blame. That's just a very small thing. If that, that's the reason you ask a mother, you know, you ask a Kalo, why do you want to get married? I want to have a family. Why do I want to have a family? Because I'm sick and tired of getting blamed for everything around the house. Everyone always blames me. I want to blame, I want to deflect the blame. Would that be a normal response of why a woman wants to get married? Why, want, why a woman wants to have children? Because of Asaf Elikim Eskarpas, because until now I have Bizyainis and now I no longer need 
to be embarrassed, I could actually share the embarrassment or, or blame other people that they're embarrassed. And furthermore, is Yaakov Avinu the type that would come home and actually blame his wife? Such a strange medrash. The Bali Musar say a beautiful pshat in what Rachel Imenu may have meant. Of course Rachel Imenu wanted to have a child to be able to be able to be the Akaris Habayas, to have Yasef, to have Binyamin, to be able to be a Chalak of Klal Yisrael, to be able to be one of the Imais, to be able to be Maimed the Shiftekah, to be able to have the greatest framework of Klal Yisrael, the entire 12 Shvatim, which represents the totality of the Jewish people. But what she meant is, and this is something that's brought by Rab Simcha Zisla Brady, quoting the Alta from Slabotka. The Alta used to say that Hakaris Hataiv, when you're grateful to somebody, or when you're thanking the Rabbi Shalom, so of course you'd have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the cosmic, the global Hatava that he did for you. But just because you're thanking the Rabbi Shalom or you're thanking somebody else for the big things, does not mean that you're absolved of thanking him for the small things. There's a Gemara Brachas that says that on rain, we are, we are mispala, we're mevarech, al kal tipa v'tipa. On every single drop of rain that falls, I thank you, Rabbi Nishlal. Now, obviously, there is a big picture going on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by sending rain, gives us drinking water. He's able, by doing so, to irrigate the fields. He's able to provide for the oceans and for the rivers and for there's so much good that comes out because of rain. But yet, you have to still thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, called Tipa V'tipa, for every single little drop not to forget the small picture, even if you're thanking for the big picture. So of course, Rachel Imenu was grateful that finally she was able to have a child and be the Akeris Abayis, the mother of Klal Yisrael. Rachel Mebakal Baner, all the greatness of Rachel was now actualized, now that she was able to join with the other Imais and being Maimed Klal Yisrael. But still, she didn't forget the smallest details of motherhood. She appreciated so much the mere fact that besides for all the great things that are going to happen now that I'm a mother, but also I have this perk, this small perk, this seemingly insignificant matter that if something should break, I should be able to have someone on whom to blame now. If something's eaten, I could actually say that Yankala ate it. That's a perk of motherhood that she didn't overlook. In the course of thanking the Rabbi Nishlam for the big things, she also thanked HaKadosh Baruch Hu all the way down to the smallest detail that most people would not even think about. Rachel Imenu did. That was the full gamut of her HaKaras type to the Rabbi Nishlam. That's what the altar says is the pshat in Asaf HaLakim Escher Pasi. It's a tremendous lesson that we could take in Akaras HaTayv, when we're thanking people for doing good for us, don't stop at just, okay, thank you for making, you know, this great deed for me, 
but also try to itemize up until the smallest thing how much good you did for me. When you're thanking your parents, don't just thank your parents for raising you and uh, allowing you to go to yeshiva and, and paying for college and paying for all that they do for you, but thank, thank your parents for even the smallest detail. Not just thank you for the car, but thank you for the gas to fill up the car, and thank you for, the, um, for paying my tolls and the easy pass, and everything included, not just the big things, but even the minute things that people automatically, automatically think it's not necessary because, of course, it's nichlo and the big things. It's not true. Asaf elikim eschar posi is the pshat. Rachel Imenu is thanking HaKadosh Baruch down to the smallest, most minutest element of Akar Satayv, that too went into the Cheshpan of Yosef. Asaf elikim eschar posi. I wanted to say a different shot, and I think it's an emistic of shot. And I'd like to know after the shmuz what you think of it. I have another question on this medrash agada. Is Rachel Imenu saying that she would actually do this? She didn't say, in the, in the Medrash it doesn't say that now I can blame my child if I ate something, I could say he did it. I mean, who are we talking about? We're talking about Rachel Emen. Rachel Emen was married to Yaakov. Yaakov was the Amr Emes. He was truth. He was pure, absolute truth. Rachel Emen was no different. If Rachel Emen was married to Yaakov, she also represents pure truth. What does that mean? She's saying that a woman who doesn't have children will blame the child. But now, who, who doesn't have children cannot blame a child. But a woman who does have children, when something is eaten, when something breaks, I could point fingers and I could say that it's the kid. Meaning, it wasn't the kid, it was me. But now I have somebody on whom to blame. That's the beauty of having children. And we ask the question on that. Is that the whole beauty of having children? What's, what, why, is this, why is this the most important thing that Rachel Imenu can muster here? But I, my question is, furthermore, would Rachel actually say that? Would Rachel Imenu, let's say she did eat, she had the last, the last apple in the fridge, and then Yaakov comes out, that was my apple, I wanted that apple, where is it? Would she really say that it was Yosef who ate the apple when he didn't? I don't believe it. How could she say that? She'd say, I ate the apple, I'm sorry. I ate the apple, it's my fault. Now that she has a child, now she would lie? Now she would blame Yosef on that he ate the apple? Even if Yosef was very young and he wouldn't know the difference. But is that really what Rachel remained practically? Would she do that? I don't think so. So if she would be quiet anyway, if she would accept the blame anyway... So why is this even something that she's grateful for? There's a medrash in Bereshis Rabbah, Parak Ayin Aleph, Eishches. Rachel Tafsa Plach Shtika. Rachel Imenu Tafsa, she grabbed, she seized, she held on to the Plach Shtika. 
Plach is a spool, a spool of yarn. If you ever see people that are crocheting needlepoint, they have a spool, and around the spool is wrapped yarn. It's a kli, it's something that contains yarn. So the Medrash uses that word as, as to mean an instrument. She grabbed the instrument in her life of shtika, of silence. What does that mean? Rachel Imenu was silent. She was always quiet. Lavan was about to pull a scam on Yaakov Avinu. She was quiet. Throughout the Parshish, she had plenty of reasons to be upset, but she was quiet. She always was Tafsa Plach Shtika. She always grabbed onto that Plach, that spool of silence. And the Medrash continues, the Amdu Kalbanah Mastirin, and therefore she was Zeichet to have all of her children also be silent. Binyamin, her second child after Yosef was Binyamin, Yashpeh. Yashpeh is the stone on the Avne Miluim. There were 12 stones on the breastplate of the Kayan Gadol. Each Shevet had its own stone. The stone of Binyamin was Yashpeh. That's the name of the stone. The Torah tells us all the stones, and Chazal tells us which stone is Shaykh to which of the Shvatim. Binyamin's stone was Yashpeh. So the Medrash Darshans, Yashpeh, Yeshpeh, meaning Binyamin had a mouth. What does that mean he had a mouth? He didn't tell his father what happened to Yasef. He knew that Yasef was not dead, Yasef was actually alive and sold and shipped down to Egypt where he was now, but Binyamin was silent like his mother. Yashpeh, he had a mouth. The Medrash continues, Shaul also came from Rachel, he was quiet. Esther came from Rachel, ain't Esther Magedis Meiladita, she didn't, they, these were, it was a legacy of silence. They were all Tafsa Plachshtiko, all of the descendants, like Rachel, they all were Tafsa Plachshtika. They all had this beautiful need of silence. They didn't talk. The question that I had on this Medrash is, what is Minyashpeh? There is a mouth. It should say what? Einpeh. I don't have a mouth. I'm not talking. If Binyamin's Milo was that he wasn't talking, why is his stone Yashpeh? Yeshpeh, he has a mouth. That means that he has... He's talking. He's talking. Why is it Yashmit should say, I don't have a mouth. I'm not talking. I think the pshat is as follows. The Maila of Shtika, the Maila being silent, is not when you have nothing to say. It's specifically when you have what to say, and then you're quiet, as hard as that is, that's a mile of shtika. If let's say I'm sitting by uh, upstairs in the dining room on, on, on Tuesday, by breakfast, and there are guys that are involved in, uh, I don't know, they're taking uh, quantum physics, and they're all talking about quantum physics, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, uh, I've known, I've known, I don't know what they're talking about. 
Would you say that I have a mila, that I'm a shaskin, that I'm quiet? I don't have a choice. I have nothing to say. I'm not conversant in that. If you're sitting at a chasna between two Tamid and they're talking about a very difficult sugya in the middle of Chulin, uh, and you're just not holding in that sugya, and, and Rishayinim and Achreinim are flying, you're sitting there in the middle like this, you know, like a deer caught in the headlights, would you say, oh, he's mamashi, that's sadik, the guy's a shaskin. No, you just don't know what you're talking about. You have nothing to contribute to the conversation. When is there a mile of shtika? There's a mile of shtika when I have plenty of this to, to add to the conversation, and I don't. If I'm sitting around the Shabbos table, and everybody is talking about Lashon Hara, about a certain individual, and I happen to know this individual really well, and I have something that could really be a catalyst that would make this conversation much more geschmack, much juicier. No one knows this information that I have about Chaim Yankel except for me. And I could really now spill the beans and really take the gossip to the next level. And I don't, and I seal my mouth. That's a mile of Shaskin. That's Plach Shtika. You know what Plach Shtika means? Why a spool? You know what a spool means? Whenever the Gemara wants to talk about people gossiping, the Gemara in the several places throughout Shas uses a lotion of There are women who sew and weave and crochet by the moonlight. And what do they do while they're sewing and weaving and crocheting? What do they do? They're not talking about a Shver, a Ritva, a Rashba, a Rambam. They're talking Lashonaro. They're talking about all the gossip that's taking place in town. You know, even in English, there's a, uh, an idiom called, he spins a good yarn. You ever heard that? He spins a good yarn. You know what that means? He tells a good story. Meaning, he knows how to, he knows how to really like, uh, like, like build up a story, like make up stuff and really um, just really like lie and, 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 and add and embellish on a story and like really make it juicy. That's what it means to spin a good yarn. That's what women used to do in the olden days. They would sit and spin and they would talk Lashon Hara while they were spinning their yarns. It's very geschmack at that time. You're not really using your brain, you're using your hands. So that's when they talk. Rachel Imenu had plenty to say in her life. But she was palchat she spun the yarn of silence. She had what to say. That's why the stone was not called Ein Peh. If he had nothing to say, Binyamin, then that's not a mile of shtika. Ein Peh is not a, not a chiddush, of course. You, you don't know quantum physics. You don't know Yachayim Yankel. It's when there's Yesh Peh. I know the situation. I got plenty to say on the matter. But still I'm going to be quiet that's the beauty of shtika. If I could use a, a Gemara terminology, there's something called migu. Migu means that I have something, I had a taina, I don't say the taina, and that gives me a super credibility. Because if I really was going to lie, I could have said a much better lie. By me not saying that lie, it gives my current taina a much greater... Credibility. 
That's what a migu is. That's what's happening over here. Yeshpeh, I have something I could have said that's so gishmak, but I don't say it. That's where the my love shtika is. Yeshpeh. Not einpeh. Einpeh means you don't know anything. Yeshpeh is, uh, my mouth has so much to say on this topic, but I'm holding back. I'm withholding my, what I could say. That's the beauty of shtika. That's plach shtika. I have a yarn to spin, but I ain't going to spin it. Instead, I'm going to spin silently. Binyamin, Yeshpeh, he had a lot to say to his father. He could have really told him all of the juicy tidbits about his brothers. He didn't. Rachel Imenu had to hold back so much in that heart of hers. Think about what's going on over here. She was supposed to be the wife of, of Yaakovinu. All the shift they caught maybe should have come from her. She didn't want her sister to be humiliated. She gave over the password, the code, to her sister selflessly. And no good deed went unpunished by her. She did such a tzidkus. And look at what happens in return. She's in Akara. She finally gets married to Yaakovino. While her sister is getting pregnant constantly again and again and again, she's not... She had so much to say, but she didn't. Then her sister is naming the babies. Look at the names that are given. Yehuda, Hapam, Eidas, Hashem. I thank Hashem. Why Rashi says that I got more than I deserve. I, every one of the mice were really supposed to have three children because 12 divided by 4 equals 3. And now I have a fourth child. Now I really have to give Akar type to the Rabbi Shalom. Is that nice? I mean, think about Rachel Imenu. She didn't have any children. What are you naming the baby Yehuda for? Hapam Eides Hashem. Now, she didn't have anything. It's not like she had two and she now pulled ahead, or she had three and now she pulled ahead. She didn't have anything. Why? You, and it's very hard for Rachel to digest this, but she didn't say a word. By the mice of the Dudaim in this week's parsha. So Leah used the lotion. You took my husband, and now you're going to take my dudam as well. Your husband, your husband, he was my husband. What are you telling me? That who are you talking to? I gave you the simanim. If not for me, you'd be nothing. She didn't say that. She had a lot to say on her tongue, but she held back. She was tafsa plachstika. She did not go down that route that all of us would have. What were people saying about her? Oh, her husband's going to divorce her now, and she's going to marry Esav. What about last week's parsha? Leah, her eyes were always drooping and tearing because everyone was saying that she was the one that was supposed to be married to Esav. Rachel was supposed to be married to Yaakov. Now the tables are turning and everybody's saying that she's going to marry Esav, Rachel? Couldn't she say, why are you saying that about me? I'm supposed to marry Esau. I was always destined for Yaakov. I gave up Yaakov as a tzidkos. And now I'm destined to go to Esau. That was never my match. That was never my shidduch. She had so much to say, Rachel. But she refused to say it. Yeshpeh. She had a mouth. She could have said that. She had a meagle. She could have said so much. But instead, she decided to be silent. 
to accept it without saying a word, without questioning the Rabbeinu without questioning the Midas Hadin that she was going through. She was matzikal of Esadin, whatever the Rabbi Yishlam wants, I'm just going to accept it in silence. I'm not going to say anything. Let whatever happens, happen. I might have done an act of tzitkos and the Rabbi Yishlam will repay me, but it's not for me to question. I'm not going to start spinning a yarn of Lashonara, of Maitzishemra, of Rechilos, of blame. I'm not going to do that. Vayizkar lekim es Rachel. Hakadosh remembered Rachel for this amazing plashtika, for the fact that she made this heroic choice of being silent and not saying a word. And so she gave, she was given Yosef. Now I ask you a question, what was the Midah Kenegad Midah? Because she was silent, she was zeichet to having a child? Maybe because she was silent, she should be zeichet to win the lottery. Maybe because she was silent, she should be zeichet to Elam Haba. Maybe because she was silent, she should be zeichet to being able to uh, have a beautiful wardrobe. I don't know. Who says that silence is the schus to have a child? Who says that because I'm quiet, when I have a mouth, I have what to say, but now I'm quiet. Mechetesa, that should be rewarded with a child. By Yizkar Elikim Racha, Rashi says the Messias Tabas, the fact that people were scorning her for not having children, being an Akara, so he gave her a baby. Why? I think the shot might be that there's a Mida Kenega Mida at play over here. You know what the mile of a baby is? One of the many miles of having a baby? That people, now mothers, have an excuse. They can blame somebody on their faults. They don't have to take blame themselves. Before you have a baby, Rashi says, everything is very evident that it's me. I'm at fault. When I'm silent, when my husband comes home and blames me for breaking something, for eating something, I'm silent. But that's a silence that's ain't peh. I don't have a choice. Who else did it? It had to be me. There's only the two of us at home. He didn't do it. I must be the one that did it. I must be the one that ate the apple. I must be the one who broke the clay. My silence is not one of, oh, wow, you're amazing. That, that's a big milo that you, you accepted blame. You don't have a choice. It's clear that you did it. It's in pad. You don't have a mouth. You, it's, it's so evident that it was you that there's, no, there's nothing else that you could have done. You don't get a standing ovation for accepting blame. Rachel Imenu, now that she has a baby... She has a choice. Yesh peh. She has a mouth. She has what to say. If something's broken, she has the option of blaming the baby. If something's eaten, she has an option of blaming the baby. That gives her tremendous kayach in her shtick. Of course she wouldn't do that. She's Rachel Imenu. She would never go and say it's his fault. She would accept blame. She would be quiet. She would say, 
you got me. It's, you're right, I did it. I'm sorry. I, I have no excuse. But now her silence has such power. She has such a migu now. She could say, Bincha, it's your son who did it. She's not, not going to say that. Because she's Rachel Imenu. But everybody else is doing it. She has a mouth suddenly. She has a migu. She could say it. But she's not going to say it. And that's the schus that she had Yosef. In that schus, mida kinege mida, she was tafsa plachshtika. She had so much to say with that mouth of hers. She had so much to say. So many taina, so many tviyas, so many question marks, so many whys. But she never said a word. She said, I'm a kabbal b'shtika. That's my mida. My mida is shtika. I'm, I'm going to be quiet. I have what to say. I'm going to zip up my mouth. I'm going to bite my tongue and I'm not going to say a word. With all my migos, I'm not going to say a word. HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers that and he blesses her with a baby because a baby is the one thing that a mother has that gives her a taina. She has finally what to say. She could blame something on somebody else for a change. Before that, she had no time. She had no, that's that's ain't path. Now Yeshpe. and Rachel Imena is going to stay with her silence. But that's the mida kineged mida. The blessing of a baby for Rachel was Hakadosh is also He gave me now the hechatimsa, the ability that I don't have to be embarrassed. And now when I'm silent and I accept the embarrassment, now that has, that has tremendous import. It's as chus not only for Rachel Imenu, it's as chus for anyone. Anyone that has the ability to be silent when they're being humiliated has this ability to have a baby. There's a, I think it's a well-known story. There was a couple who were married 25 years. And they didn't have a child. And they were desperate to have a child. And they went to every Rebbe, every Rosh Hashiva, every Mekobo, and everyone was giving them brachas and brachas and it never worked. 25 long, depressing, hard years. And finally, after 25 years, they came to Reb Chaim Kanievsky. And Reb Chaim tells them, listen, there's a, there comes a point in life that I'm sorry to say you just have to accept the reality. The reality is that you've been married 25 years, you have not had a child, you want me to give you a bracha, I don't know if it's going to work, I doubt it's going to work, just accept it. You know, you could live without having a child. People do it all the time. And they started breaking down and crying, because Reb Chaim was the last, he was the last hope that they had. And they realized at this point that all hope was lost. Because Reb Chaim Kanievsky is telling them, I can't give you a bracha, it's not going to help. They said, you can't tell us this because we need, we need to have a baby. You don't understand what we're going through. So Reb Chaim said, 
There's only one thing that I could tell you. There's only one Eitzah that I could tell you. Chazal tell us of the tremendous chus of being silent in the face of embarrassment. Somebody is embarrassing another person. Somebody is starting up, chepering, having a machlek, is telling you disgusting things about yourself. And you want to give it back. You want to retaliate. And instead you zip up your mouth and you don't say a word. It's kind of like Rachel Imeno. Unbelievable. That, there's nothing that you could do to, to match that shtika. Chazal say in Chulin, Tayla Eretz Al Bulima. The world is hanging on nothing. We say this on Yom Neiram a lot, these words. Tayla Eretz Al Bulima. It's a pasuk. Eina Eila Miskayim. The whole world only exists, Al Mi, a play on the word Al Bulima, Al Mi Shebailim Piv Bishas Machlaikis. You're in a fight with somebody, people are screaming at you, they're humiliating you, embarrassing you, ripping into you, lacing into you, and you're boiling piv, you're, you shut your mouth, you don't say anything, even though yesh pat, you don't say anything. You keep up the world. The Gemara tells us in Gittin and many other places throughout Shas, people are embarrassing you and you don't give it back. Shaymen Kherpasam, you hear people scorning you. Vain Meshivan and you stay quiet. You don't respond to those detractors, to those bullies. The Gemara says amazing things about these type of people. So Chaim says that. I can't give you a bracha because I don't have the kayak to give you the bracha. I don't know, you know, I, I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have that, that power. It's like this, I see this is a very difficult case. If Chaim definitely does have the kayak to give brachas. So I think Rabbi Yashav Ishver, Yibad Chaim, used to say that the, the key to bracha in this world today lies by my son-in-law, Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. He definitely had the power to, but this is a really, this is a, you know, this you need a locksmith for. This isn't a normal key. And the only eights that I could give you is that if you're ever in a situation where somebody is being embarrassed and they don't respond, get a bracha right away from that person and that will maybe be able to allow you to have a baby. Okay, so that's the story that took place with the cones. Let's call that couple, the childless couple, the cones. A separate couple by the name of the Levies. They were getting, they just got married. They were looking for an apartment in B'nai Brak. And they were looking all over and every apartment had a chisar. And then finally they came to a, a broker, shows them an apartment in B'nai Brak. And it's perfect. Everything that they needed, it's the right size, the right place, the right exposure to the sun. Everything that they wanted, they were dreaming of in this apartment. And they were really excited about it. And while they were like really, you know, getting into the nitty gritty with the broker about the details of how much it's going to cost and the negotiations, a woman that seemed really nuts walks into the apartment and starts being very loud, 
scary. This apartment, you don't want to get involved with this apartment. This apartment is... Um, I, have, I had a din with this apartment. The, the landlord owes me money. I have a tviya against this apartment. I took it to a din tira. It's, it's, it's not good. There's, there's no mausoleum. If you have this apartment, I'm going to go after you. Like a real crazy woman, like, didn't stop this rant. And understandably, the Levies were very concerned. They didn't want to start their life in a new apartment that's like haunted and that has all types of problems surrounded with it. They went to Nissan Karelitz, who was, you know, the, the great Pisic from B'nai Brak, and he says, I know the case very well. I was involved in the Dintaira. This woman has no claim at all. Don't worry about it. You could buy the apartment. You could live there. Gesundheit, hey, everything will be fine. Don't worry about it. It's on me. So they proceeded. They bought the apartment, and they were living there a few days, a few weeks, and then there was a bar mitzvah of somebody in the building that they were invited to and this was like their opportunity to meet the neighbors and make a good impression on people and you know try to make friends in a new community sometimes it's challenging so Mrs. Levy was sitting on one side of the mechitza Mr. Levy was sitting on the other side of the mechitza and Mrs. Levy was schmoozing with the women around the table who were her neighbors and her you know hoped to be soon friends this Meshugana lady was at this chas- was at this simcha, was at this bar mitzvah, and she sees this woman, Mrs. Levy, sitting at the table, and she makes like a beeline towards her, and she starts yelling in front of the entire table, in front of the whole chasma, basically became very quiet very quickly, and she was lacing into Mrs. Levy, how dare you buy the apartment, I told you you shouldn't buy the apartment, you didn't have the right to buy the apartment, you didn't listen to me, you're going to be cursed now, like the worst things in the world, and she was mibuza. she was like literally like turning red and green and orange and pink, her face was like embarrassed beyond not just embarrassed that she would be in private, but here, this is like her new community that she wanted to endear herself before. And she is about to retaliate. Because for her honor, for her husband's honor, she had to make it clear to everybody in the room that you're crazy. I went to Nissan Karelitz, he said that I could buy it, and, and he gave me a bracha to buy it, and how dare you come and embarrass me, Barabim. She was about to retaliate. Yeshpeh! Mrs. Cohen, the childless woman for 25 years, happened to be at that bar mitzvah. And she, like every other woman in the room, was watching the scene play out, this train wreck play itself out in slow motion. She hops immediately what's going on, and she runs over to Mrs. Levy, and she says, please do not utter a word back. Just, I know it's hard. I know you want to say what you have to say. Please, I beg you, don't say a word. Just be quiet. Accept it. Absorb it. Take it in. And do not give it back. And Mrs. Levy, don't! She doesn't say a word. The Meshuggah lady storms off. 
And Mrs. Cohen turns to Mrs. Levy and says, now give me a bracha right away. Bless me that I should have a child. 25 years I have not had a child. Give me a bracha that I should have a child. You are a nela veina oilev. You are a shameach ha'pascha veina meshiv. You are a tayleretz ha'belima. Kalabaylem piv b'shas machlekes. She gives her a bracha that she should have a child, her and her husband. And nine months later, she had a baby. 25 years of infertility finally has a baby. In the schus of the bracha of somebody that was tafsa plach shtika. She had so much to say, Mrs. Levy. But she didn't say it. She had a migu, she could have said it, and she didn't say it. She becomes so holy. Holier than the God Ladar. Holier than the one man in the generation that has the key to giving brachas. With that one act of selfless silence. And again, why was she zeichet to have the bracha to give fertility to somebody else? You know why? I think it's because of this Rashi. Every baby gives you an opportunity of going from somebody that has einpeh without a baby. Suddenly, I'm in a different category. I'm in a different tax bracket. Now I have yeshpeh. I have so much to blame on that child. And I'm not going to. I'm going to be quiet. Now my silence has real value. When I admit my faults, even though I have on whom to blame, my, my silence becomes powerful. It's a kliumnus. It's tafsa plachshtika. There's a spool of... It's a real instrument of power now, my silence. It's not silence out of ignorance, out of having nothing to say. I have now what to say. Now I'm a mother. I could blame my child. That's what 99% of women do. But I'm not going to. I'm still going to take the bizayinus. But now it's going to be counted as something because I don't have to take the bizayin, but I'm going to. Even today, even in our dar, if a person is tafsa plachshtika, they have this chos of children, either themselves or to grant brachas of having children, because that's what a child is. A child gives you a migu. You have on whom to blame, but you're shosak. I think that's the pshat in the continuation of the psukim here. Vatar vateladein vataymer asavalakim eskarposi and then she continues and she says, Vatikra Shema Yasef. Lema, she called his name Yasef, saying, Yasef Hashem Li Ben Acher. Hashem should give me another child. Meaning, I want Binyamin. I don't want just one child. I want to ask now for another child. So, which one was it? Is he named Yasef because of Asavalakim Eskarpasi? Or is he named Yasef because Yasef Hashem. Hashem is going to now, I want another baby. And I think it goes hand in hand. Because because now I have the power to be silent, even though I could blame, 
That itself is ultimately the schos to have other children. Binyamin came about this schos, the fact that she was a shaskin. After she had Yosef, she was still quiet. That gave her the schos now to have Binyamin. Yesh peh. Binyamin had a mouth, he didn't say anything. Drives. They, the two go hand in hand. That's what a child is. A child is the midah kenege and of silence. When you could have what to say and you don't, that gives you the schus to have a child, which gives you what to say and you don't. I want to just be very clear about one thing. Whenever I speak about this topic... There has to be a, a line of distinction. I don't want people walking away from the schmooze and thinking that, okay, I got the message. The message is I should be abused and not say a word. Let people harass me, bully me, destroy my reputation and not say a word. That's not what the takeaway is. If it's extreme cases that you feel that you're not able to Accept what's going on. People are not nice to you. You have every right in the world. And maybe you should not retaliate. That's not a nice word, but to do something about it. You don't have to take bullying. You don't have to be abused. Nobody should be abused. But there are times in life, it's not abuse person wasn't nice to me. He wasn't necessarily trying to be mean, trying to be catty, trying to destroy me and my reputation. Just they weren't, you know, they, they could have been more sensitive. They should have been more sensitive. They weren't. I could really now give it back, make a mochama, make problems for that person, revenge, retaliate. You punch me, I punch you back harder. Or a person could just say, the person meant well perhaps, or maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't have a good chinuch at home, or she didn't have a good chinuch, and that's why she said it, that's why she wasn't sensitive, but for my part I'm going to try to overlook it. Not to be abused, Rachman al-Litzlan. Somebody's bullying you, if somebody's really hurting your feelings in a very menacing way, then you have to report it to somebody, you have to deal with it appropriately, but you have to deal with it. You shouldn't accept abuse. But sometimes a person, it's borderline. It's not abusive, it's, it's just not nice. At that time, if you're able to not say anything back, hold your fire, walk away, let it roll off your back, Tremendous. Plachstika, it's amazing. That gives you tremendous chusim for whatever you want in your life. That shtika gives you power beyond recognition. We don't look at it though. We look at it, oh, that person's weak. Person's not able to retaliate. Person has no, uh, you know, he's not, not, not strong. Chazal don't look at it that way. Chazal look at silence being miskaber over yourself when you want to say something back, you want to retaliate, you want to revenge. 
and you don't, you hold back your miskaber over that natural instinct, there's no greater gift, there's no greater power than that migu. Every day at the end of davening, at the end of Shemayin Esrei, we're mispalo to the Rabbi Shalom that he should grant us this power. To those that curse me, nafshi my nefesh sidaim should be quiet, should be silent. This is what we're davening for. That when people are not nice to me, when people are not sensitive to me, when people are hurtful to me, and I have every reason to make a big fuss about it, and I don't, I'm quiet. It's a great schus. It shows the Rabbi Shalom that you trust the Rabbi Shalom to take care of everything that may be happening to me, and I am firmly in your hands. Silence, accepting, understanding that everything comes from the Rabbi Shalom, good and bad. And if there is revenge to be taken, let the Rabbi Shalom take it. It's not my business. I'm, for me, I'm, I'm silent. This is the schus of Rachel Imenu. This is the schus that we live with till today. All the descendants of Rachel Imenu were all considered descendants. This is what we have. The Geula is going to come about because Rachel Mevak Al-Baneha. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu then tells her, Menik Haylech Mibechi. Don't even cry. Who's crying over us in Golos? Be silent. Take your plashtika, be quiet. I'm going to take care of your children in Golos. You don't have to cry. Continue with your silence. Continue with your acceptance. Continue with your trust in me. And I will reward that trust with the Geula Shalema. When we follow in her ways, when we're able to be more accepting, not automatically. The knee-jerk reaction is to fight back and to give it back and to make a big fuss, to just be more accepting. Again, when, when it doesn't pass a certain gavol, when it's still within the acceptable zone, and we're silent, and we're able to accept it, we're able to be tafsa It's a tremendous chus for Klal Yisrael as a whole. We should be zeichet to the gula shlema b'meherav yameinu, which will come about because of the silence of Rachel imenu. Keni ratzain b'meherav yameinu. Amen. Amen.